Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, is it panic time after the awful performance against Buffalo plus... A look ahead to the Jets' final action before the All-Star break. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, that sucked. <laughs> that, that, that was not good. That is not the kind of vibes you want to head into a weekend on. Woof, woof, woof. What a legendarily bad performance that was. I, that's going to go down on the, the Mount Rushmore of awful, awful Jet games that we saw against the Buffalo Sabres, which is really saying something considering the final score ended up being 3-2. Might be one of the most lopsided 3-2 games in NHL history. But ay people hoping that the Jets could maybe solidify their spot atop the Central and maybe even the Western Conference heading into the final few games before the break. That was a rude awakening call, and now it's, please, let's just find a way to scrape together a couple of points before we're off for 11 days. Uh, once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by for the episode. Tyson, how we doing today? Not good. <laughs> not great after this last performance. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that, yeah, that, not good is, a, is an apt description. Um, I will say this, though. I, I, I don't know... I don't know how much cooking you do, Tyson, but do you have like a go-to dish that you make? Like not not something you like to eat, but like something that you cook that you just like nail every time? Uh, well, I, I used to not nail it for a little bit, but the last couple times I've made it, I've done a pretty good job, and that's cashew et pepe, like the pepper oh. pasta. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've nailed Holy. the last couple. I've been pretty su- I've been pretty surprised myself even, but uh, yeah, like that's oh. the one I usually I usually dish out. He goes to Rome one time and now he's cooking <laughs> the mother pasta is like no big deal. Uh I got to say I think I don't know if it's my go-to dish, but one that I'm just so confident in is like turkey. Like a whole <laughs> roast turkey. And yeah, I, like a, I never get to do it at, at the holiday thing because our, our old man would have a meltdown if anybody but him cooked the turkey. But, like, I, I, I just nail it. I nail it every time. And there was a big sale at Sobeys. And I crushed it. I, I, I crushed it. Everybody's happy here. 
add some roast potato or roast potato roast vegetables to go along with it a little bit of stuffing as well i could what's just the cooking I, method what's the cooking method for the turkey I'm glad you asked, Tyson, because I would love to share with everybody here very quickly, because this is probably the only positive thing we'll talk about in this entire episode. But the key to a great turkey, two things. The first, as is most things with cooking, butter. Um, the second thing is the resting time. So the key to a great turkey is to make your own compound butter which is essentially like a flavored butter. And you can literally do anything you want. That's kind of the cool thing about it. I, I do it nice and simple. Lemon, garlic, um, parsley, thyme, butter, and then olive oil. Make sure you mix olive oil in so the butter doesn't burn in the oven. And then you put half of it underneath the skin so that the, the meat gets nice and moist. And then the other half on top of the skin so you get a nice, crispy, tasty exterior. And then the other key, obviously you base in all that, but this might sound bizarre, but the key is to rest the turkey as long as you cook it. Oh. So if it goes in for two and a half, three hours, depending how long you, you cook it, how, how big it is, rest it for, I would say rest it for at least two hours. And it'll somehow still be warm and hot when you cut into it a few hours later. But that's where you keep all those juices in. Sometimes I think people cut into it too early. And then you, you wasted all the time you put into it because all the juices come out. So that, that's how you can get your turkey game on point. That does sound very good. Next Thanksgiving, we'll have to try it. Hey, do you go? Uh, do you get nice and deep into the crevices in the turkey? Or do okay. you uh, do you get do you get double deep in there? Or? All right, weirdo. <laughs> I, I I get in there. I don't I don't I don't really like that part of the turkey, but I I, I get the job done. I guess is basically all I can do there. Nice um, and lubricated. Yeah, exactly. Weirdo. Um, <laughs> I I would say this. Jet Sabers was not compound butter turkey. It was more <laughs> throw the turkey in a fryer outside, and then it causes your house to go on fire. <laughs> that was, and I'm I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this. I think that was one of the three worst games I've seen the Jets play since they came back. I can think of the Columbus game about seven-ish years ago that got Claude Noel fired. I can think of the Buffalo game a year-ish ago that Paul Maurice was forced to resign. <laughs> and then this game here where, look, thankfully Bones isn't going to be on the unemployment line after this. But holy crap, what a... Just a pathetic effort like all around like execution effort intensity there there was there was nothing like there was just nothing positive outside of maybe what maybe one guy that we'll touch on a little bit later in the episode but as a team that is as disgraceful of an effort as as, as you'll see out of an nhl club let alone one that's battling for first spot in their division and first spot in their conference where where do you even begin with this one, Tice? Like what what word comes to mind or words come to mind when you think about how the Jets basically allowed the Sabres to globe trot all over them for sixty minutes? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick two words and that's stinky and concerning. Those are <laughs> those are my two words. And just because like I mean these last couple performances we've seen from the Jets, this is not 
what have we been accustomed to this season? And it's kind okay, of well, let me, let me let me jump in quickly because I said it in the intro. Is it is it panic time? I don't think it's panic time yet, but would they got to sort out these issues as soon as possible? In my opinion, I, like it's not like you're sitting second in the division right now. I don't think it's time to be like we need to make a desperation move. We need to do something that could potentially hurt us in the future when just to get a couple extra wins out of our team now but i mean man this and it's not like they're playing against top tier competition either right this is buffalo's probably been the toughest team they faced and they're and now give credit to buffalo they've been a hard team to play against all year and they have super high-end skill one of the highest scoring teams in the league but man you just think that this would be you would want a stronger performance from this team after what we've seen the past couple games and the Nashville game wasn't great. The Flyers game almost blew that one. And then now this one where you just lay an absolute stinker. It's, I mean, there's just nothing. There was nothing positive to build off of. All the star players in this one, I thought, played this had awful games. I think it was one of the worst games we've seen from Kyle Connor in a long time. Like, he he just didn't look dialed in. Shifley didn't look dialed in. And to me, a big part of the problem was I just think it was a lot of lateral movement coming into the offensive zone, especially there. There wasn't as much north-south as we've seen from this team in the past couple, like the past couple months. But there was a lot of times where there would be a three-on-two, two-on-one, just odd man rushes, and the Jets would. There's times where you pass it off to the side to generate more openings. When the Jets were doing it today, it was just passing it to the open side because he's open, and then the guy drifts off into the corner where there's no play to be made. And it's just the Sabers did such a good do- job in this game of just kind of containing the Jets and. I mean, what were the shots after two thirty three, fourteen or something? Thirty three. It was, it was so, somewhere along that range, and the Jets did not record a shot in the final fifteen minutes of the second period. Yeah, it's just there was nothing. As you said, there's nothing good to build on. I think coming out of this game, other than the fact that I don't think they can possibly play a worse game than they did tonight. <laughs> that yeah, there we go. That's looking on the bright side here. <laughs> Got all the awful out of us in 60 minutes. I, I hope so. I, I I can't imagine. I mean, God help us all if this continues and either either against Philly or, or St. Louis here. Like I, that that would just be major, major meltdown mode. I, I would I would agree that it's not panic mode just yet. But if you play bad again against Philly, then like I Whatever the moment before panic level hits, I think we're pretty close to that one. There's, I mean, look, and, and again, they're still in a great spot standings-wise. But there, there's standings talk, and then there's what are expectations for the rest of the season talk. And, you know, with the way they played for the majority of the first half of the year, I think a lot of fans were thinking, let's, you know, maybe winning the Cup might be a little far-fetched, but let's win a round or two and try to go on a deep playoff run performances like last night against Buffalo, that's where things all of a sudden get scary. Then it's like, well, how good are the Jets actually? Like, is the first half more of what we should expect to see? Or is this a sign that, you know what, not not smoke and mirrors, but maybe it's a little bit closer to the middle of the pack than they are to the upper echelon teams in the NHL? There's just, yeah, there's more questions than answers after a game like that against the Sabres in a performance where it was just lacking in every single aspect of the game. I will say this quickly. You know, we should give credit. I, I know fans of teams will always be so slanted towards what their team did or didn't do. 
Buffalo played a hell of a game, and the Sabres are really good. Like, they're a really good team. Um, I, I think Buffalo deserves some credit for for what took place at Canada Life Center there. But that that's I'll, I'll get that out of the way. The Jets' horrific awfulness also played a large part in Buffalo basically spending 90% of their time inside the Winnipeg Jets' offensive zone. And, I, I mean, the, the big issue, again, kind of reared its ugly head, Tice, where for whatever reason, when this team gets into big-time trouble, it's it's turnovers, it's puck management. They, for the life of them, defensemen forwards could not make a decision inside their own end. It, it was Some of the plays were just shocking. Like Dubois, kind of backhand floater right up the middle of the ice, lucky not to be a goal against there. The, the Pyong-Dilling pairing is becoming a major issue. Um, they, I mean, look, the whole team was hemmed in. They were especially hemmed in above the others, struggled to defend on the rush, struggled to defend on the counter as well, struggled to defend on the cycle inside the defensive zone. And, and they're just, they're, they're, they're not getting it clean enough out of there to, you know, mitigate some of the, the areas that they, you know, have a deficit in when they play, when they play as a pairing there in their half of the ice, you know, when, when Neil Pion gets in the fun zone, he's good. But this year, in the other half, it's just been a complete nightmare, and that continued in this game. And then the Logan Stanley-Nate Schmidt pair was, I, I thought, awful too. Um, and I thought Logan Stanley played good against Nashville and then took a major, major step back against Buffalo in this one. He just you know looked out of place. I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever to see Dylan Sandberg back in the lineup Saturday night against Philly. But I don't know. It's, it's also kind of tough to harp on individuals too too much because basically the whole team played awful Connor Hellebuck was great as he usually is and one other player that we'll mention a little bit later I thought stood out but other than that the rest of the team sucked but there have been there's been warning signs in certain areas on this team over the past little while and I just thought you know a a bigger spotlight was shone on those areas of concern against the saves yeah no for sure and then this game I think exemplifies exactly why the Jets should be looking to add on the back end it just it's just needing you you just need someone else back there in my opinion and that's it's it's kind of just brash but there's no other way to put it this team just needs another element on the back end someone who besides Josh Morris he can bring the play up consistently who can make the right pay, play make the outlets control play in the offensive zone too just someone that because i it's just the Neil Pionk experiment so far this year it's just not working i i just like you mentioned, the, the Pionk-Dillon pair in this past game. I mean, even the Tage Thompson goal, like Brendan Dillon was kind of just in no man's land. I mean, you would like some of the back-checking forwards to get back in the play a little bit sooner as well, but you just can't be puck-watching that much. It's just, it's a continuous theme I think we're seeing too, where it's watching the puck and let not letting the play come to them and just kind of, you're almost on your toes and on your heels just expecting the puck to get turned over, and then that's where things can just evolve. And I think we're seeing that, especially with that pairing. Sorry, I'm just looking up an article right now. I was doing some reading while you were talking um, <laughs> on The Athletic. Jacob Chikrin's trade destination, seven teams that could and should be interested. Was 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 anything you said applicable to that there, Tyson? Just oh, wondering. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, okay, <laughs> cool. All right, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's no doubt that, I mean, I, I would say the popular sentiment on at least on social media from Jets fans is, you know, this game kind of further highlighted the need, not not for tinkering, not for depth ads, but home run swing time. 
right? Like let's let's go after a piece here and and see if that's the missing puzzle to to kind of get us back up over the top right now. Because I agree, and I I think there there's there's a pretty similar blueprint to at least cup winning teams. You could maybe even make the case for teams that consistently go deep in the playoffs year after year. Um, fortunately for the Jets, they've got that piece down the middle figured out with Shafley and Dubois for the time being. But I think an underrated part, people are always so fixated on, you need, you know, two top centers, you know, then you need two top wingers as well to, to, you know, have any chance of contending in the playoffs. But I, I would say, if you look at teams that go deep year after year and win Stanley Cups, they usually have two pairings that have a number one defenseman on them. And, and sometimes they have three number one defensemen on, on their top two pairings, right? That That's what the Jets lack right now is they have... They've got the one guy, and that's huge. But, you know, I, I think games like this where, you know, you're leaning on, I, I guess to use a card analogy, you're leaning on some sixes and sevens when you need kings and aces, you're 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 going to be left in the mud on, on some nights when you need a boost. And I think elite talent on the back end is, is one of the big, big things that the Winnipeg Jets need to find a way to get done with about five-ish weeks to go until the trade deadline. So... I, I imagine things are going to heat up once the all-star break comes and goes here, but there's no doubt if I think even as well as the Jets have played so far this year, if they want to make a deep run, it's it's going to have to be some movement coming this way ahead of the March 1st trade deadline for the club. Um, we did find somehow one positive, I thought, to come out of this game. We'll see if Tyson agrees with me. And then we'll look ahead to Philly and St. Louis coming up for the Jets. I'll, I'll look around the rest of the NHL as well. Uh, but before we do that, to wrap up the episode, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because while the All-Star break comes near in the rear view, NFL Conference Championship Sunday is just days away, which means a chance for you to win big with DK Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL where new customers can bet just five bucks and get 200 in free bets instantly as we count down to Super Bowl 5-7. Plus, if you're an existing customer, you can feel the thrills this conference championship Sunday with stepped-up same-game parlays, take your shot at a bigger payout, and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Tyson, we made kind of our picks last uh, last episode. Are there any props or any kind of potential parlays you might be interested in tossing out there? I'll give you one quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if the Eagles win or lose this weekend, but methinks A.J. Brown is going to have himself a monster, monster game, especially after he was quiet against the Giants and San Fran's been torched by number one wideouts so far this uh, so far this postseason. So I'm going to hop on A.J. Brown over receiving yards, over half a TD. What about you? I'm going to hop on with Patrick Mahomes' ankle being a little sore. I'm going to hop on the Isaiah Pacheco over-rushing yards train. Ooh. And I'm also going to toss an Isaiah Pacheco touchdown as well. Ooh. Me likey. If you want to take the paycheck, go with Pacheco. And get yourself some money, thanks to our friends over there at DK. In the meantime, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Well, Tyson, one positive. I'm not going to count Connor Hellebuck in this. Was there was there a guy that stood out to you, or do you want me to give you mine? Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to try and guess it. I'm, I'm going to roll with Dylan DeMello. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was so cammy that he didn't he wasn't he wasn't one of the worst on the night. Um, but Kevin Stenlin's a hell of a story. And I, I thought, you know, him and maybe his line, but to me it was more so Kevin Stenlin driving the bus that he was maybe the one guy I might point to in that game against Buffalo and say, you know what, he at least came to play. There there was at least a level of effort and intensity out of Kevin Stenlin in this one. And they kind of mentioned it on the broadcast, Tyson. But, you know, Mason Appleton's getting closer to returning. There's some other guys in the mix in terms of, you know, players on the outside looking to come back in. Potential trade deadline acquisitions coming in and taking a spot or two. I don't think Kevin Stenland's going anywhere. I think he's here to stay. I think he's ahead of Gustafson on the depth chart. I think he's ahead of a number of other fourth-line players and even some that are playing with Adam Lowry right now. I I, I think the guy's legit. He looks like a he looks like a solid pro. Played really good against Buffalo, and he really hasn't had a bad game so far this season for the Jets. He's been tremendous. No, and he just provides that nice little extra kind of punch that that bottom six needs, right? Like he, his ability, like he gets into the dirty areas, and he, we've seen over this time with the Jets too that he's developing sort of a Ovechkin one timer from the from the half wall there. I mean he. He let one rip today that I, I did it hit the post or did it get blocked on? Got blocked, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean that that looked like it could have been labeled, and it's just nice to see a guy like Kevin Stenland who probably opened up as like the 16th or 15th forward on the depth chart, and now all of a sudden he's probably became a mainstay in the top top 12. I mean, like I don't since since Menelaine has come back, he hasn't really impressed me all that much. Like I think. I, I'm I'd be okay with him coming out of the, of the out of the lineup. Uh, I'd probably roll with Morgan Barron, keep him. I think him with Kevin Stenlin could be a nice little punch on the on the on the fourth line with maybe Jansen Fialbi, and then roll uh, Lowry Appleton, and I mean who knows <laughs> who knows what Bones is gonna do. Maybe Gagne goes in there. I think they're I think they're with Sam Gagne. I think they're getting used to kind of giving him spot starts. I think you're kind of trying to save him up because just because I don't think Sam Gagne can handle a full 82 game season at this point. So I like to me, yeah, Kevin Stone's got to stay in to who comes out. That's going to be up to bones. And it's, I think it's an interesting choice because there's a couple guys who since coming back and since Stenland still remain in the lineup that I think that he's outplayed a large majority of them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's here. Like I said, I think he's here to stay. I don't think he's going anywhere, and it's all completely deserved. Enters the year probably 16th at, at the very best on the organizational depth chart, maybe even lower than that, and he's shown that he's he's going to be a contributor for this team. He's He's got a lot of game in him. I've been really, really impressed. And on a night where the Jets got absolutely slaughtered on the shot clock, leads the team with a 60% Corsi percentage, Tyson. How about that? Um, <laughs> no surprise at the bottom of the list for the Jets uh, was Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk and Logan Stanley had themselves a very rough, analytically a very, very rough night. Um, do you want to guess Pionk and Stanley's expected goals percentage against Buffalo Tice? Uh, I don't know if I want to. 
Here, I'll give you a hint. It starts with one number. <laughs> Two? Five per five percent for Pionk and six percent for Logan Stanley. Yikes. Which I did not do good in stats. Failed that a couple times in university. But I believe that means that Buffalo had 95% of the expected goals and then 94% of the expected goals when those two were on the ice for the Jets in this one. So um, I, I would say further exacerbating the need to make an addition on the back end ahead of the upcoming trade deadline and before the team's eventual playoff push there. So, yeah, not 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 the best night for the Jets. We'll take Stanley and Hellebuck off the chop. Maybe even DeMello since he threw him in there too. He actually <laughs> didn't fare so, so. So those three are okay. Everybody else has to take a lap or two um, ahead of the uh, upcoming games for the club as they get closer to finally getting some rest. Hell, <laughs> after a game like that, this team might need 11 days off just to get their head straight and get back into it. Um, but let's move over to there then, Tice. Two more games for the Jets before the All-Star break comes to an end. Saturday night, where you and I will both be in attendance. I guess, yeah, we'll wear the jerseys. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how much I'm looking forward to it. But we'll get the Jets and the Flyers uh, Saturday night, 6 p.m. start. So at least the atmosphere in the ring should be good for a little while. And then the Jets wrap things up against the St. Louis Blues on Monday night. Who knows what Blues team we're going to get there. Um, but with the Flyers and Blues on tap, I and, and I guess with the Buffalo game in the rear view now, is a split against Philly-St. Louis good enough? Like, well, is that, is that, like I, I, don't, I don't know anymore. I was thinking, you know, if the Jets could go 2-1 and one in this three-game stretch, that that's great. And then you get almost two weeks off but you know now that that first one's out of the way like is is it almost just get the split and lick our wounds and come back after that or does the team need to take care of business against clubs way below them in the standings i mean you got to take care of business right here i think these last two games can be a big boost for your team going into a break too like if you can go out there and the teams like, like the te- st louis you never know who you're gonna get right like i mean and they could play like a top level contender or they could play like the Chicago Blackhawks. The Flyers though, on the other hand, they're going to bring, like they're going to play hard and they're not playing that bad right now. (laughs) Right. And if you show up, not ready to play against this Flyers team, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Cause they're not, I mean, they're nowhere near as skilled as the Jets, like nowhere near, like they're one of the least skilled teams in the league actually, but just, they just work like John Tortorella does have this team working really hard. And I think if you're not ready to play on Saturday night, it could be a, it could be a long game for the jets. And so I think you need to go and take care of business here, go into the break feeling nice. And then, then it's just February, March. Let's build on this lead. Let's try and get that division lead. And let's kind of, let's kick this into a second gear uh, post all-star break. Yeah. I, I would say the Philly game is the must win here. Like win win Saturday night, I want to say it doesn't matter, but then it's like oh god, thank like at least we're not three in a row, and then however many in the last eight are RLs for the Jets. That it's like take just beat them, beat the Flyers Saturday night at home. They're on a road trip, you're not, and then whatever happens against St. Louis happens. But man, I'll, I'll say this though, like for Jets fans feeling down right now, you know, looking at this from the Flyers' perspective. 
I am not super amped up in the sense that you know, the Jets got their stinker out of the way and they've shown this year they're pretty adept at pushing that behind them and then going out and, and kind of laying the wood to the opposition the next one. So I'm a little worried that I'm going to be wearing orange and black and leaving the game with about 15 minutes to go in the third period. <laughs> but um, I, I almost at this point, I'm like, get a split. Like, just get a split and limp your way into the all-star break and then just go balls to the wall in the next 15, 20 games after that and, and solidify your spot here. Obviously, 2-0 would be fantastic, but I'm almost like beggars can't be choosers. Like, just just, just find a way to limp in with two points, and you probably don't find yourself super close to the Dallas Stars at that point, but at the very least, it keeps Minnesota and Colorado down for, for just a little bit here. But that's also the scary part of this, Tyson. You know, the the Flyers, like you said, lost, but that means the Minnesota Wild picked up two more points. Colorado has won six straight now that they are icing the same team, essentially, that they had last year and not the Colorado Thunderbirds. But if you look at those two teams right now, 56, 55 points, you know, seven to eight points back at the Jets, but three games in hand for many. Four in hand for Colorado. Uh, uh, things are getting a little scary right now. Thankfully, you know, Nashville's a little bit further back, and they've only got two games in hand on Winnipeg, but they went ahead and beat New Jersey right now. It's it's getting a little tighter right around the, the bottom of the, the playoff bubble there. And you can't you, you can't have the Jets have been very, very fortunate so far to avoid lengthy losing skids. Or dropping eight of ten in a row, you know what I mean? This is this is kind of a scary little stretch that the club finds themselves in. And yeah, you're right. Like let's 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 find a way to push through here. And then the schedule does ease up a little bit right after the All-Star break with games against Chicago and Columbus in two of their first three. Seattle Kraken mixed in there as well. But like we said a little bit earlier in the show, no panic just yet, but also kind of close it's hovering over the panic button right now so find a way to get it done this weekend yeah no it's just beat them please beat the flyers and blues like it's just these teams have no business competing with the jets just beat them just beat them good advice i can get down with that um do you have a prediction for for flyers Jets saturday because we're both gonna be there and by the way um if you're listening right now and if you want to you know meet up make fun of us, yell at us, whatever it is. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Tyson Rewiki. Yeah. Yeah. So at Tyson Rewiki at Brandon underscore Rewiki. If you want to meet up, you want to have a cold one, you want to, you know, talk, talk, whatever it is, you know, let us know and be happy to come meet you guys somewhere there. Uh, but you got a sense of how this one's going to go. I'm going to say it's going to be the exact same score as the last time these two teams met up. And I'm going to say it's going to be fourth. Oh, I guess I, I think the Jets got an empty netter in that one. It's made it 5-3. But right. I, I'm, I'm going to say 4-3. Oh, three okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hedge my bets. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I kind of think it'll be an early exit for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be the there. traffic. I will. I have no shame. I have absolutely no shame. I have. I mean, and, and we're like, we're not delirious enough to think the Flyers are actually, you know, making a playoff push or anything like that. I, I just want to see 
I want to see Konechny play good. I want to see Carter Hart play good. Cam York's been a, a really big bright spot for the Flyers. Um, you know, him and Prober have actually been, you know, really solid since York got called back up to the Flyers from uh from the Phantoms. I, I like I just want to see their exciting guys play good. And then whatever happens, happens, and then maybe torts and bonus go at it. Like so, you know, like that that would be the perfect game for me. Yeah, I don't even care. Like, and that's the nice part. Like, as a Flyers fan going to the game, it's almost win-win. Like, if the Jets beat them, awesome. One, you know, one step closer to a ping pong ball for Bedard. If they win, I get to see a win in person. So I, I'm, I am, I am reluctantly excited to go. It'll be a good time. Um, and like I said, if you guys want to come hang out, let me know, and we'd be happy to meet up with you sometime. There's four fights against Minnesota tonight, so hey, maybe on Saturday night get a little bit of a get a couple of a slobber knockers. Who knows? <laughs> I was thinking that you took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say slobber knocker. We'll see. It, it, it could be a feisty one. The Saturday night games are always like I mean, not not feisty in the crowd, but feisty on the ice. I could get down with that. I, I, I'm, I'm I haven't been to a good atmosphere Jets game in a while. I mean, it might just be luck of the draw, but like I I want. I want kind of like the old days where the building's rocking and you can't hear the person beside you and you don't want to leave your seat. Like, I, I, I hope we get something like that. I, I'm, I am excited. Now. I've, I've worked myself up to it. I'm ready to go for Saturday night. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it here. I think that'll do it for the episode. Um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on all the trade deadline talk because we'll have that lengthy break coming up here with the all-star game next weekend. So we'll, we'll dive super heavy into the trade deadline stuff um, late next week. And then the following week after that, where we'll talk forwards defense and then what a dream trade deadline might look like for the Winnipeg jets. Um, so we'll get to that a little bit later on. We'll hold on to that for the time being. Um, but in the meantime, we will say thank you again for tuning in to another episode of skates and plates right here on the hockey podcast network. We'll get back at it Tuesday morning, wrapping up the Jets' final action before the break. Included the game against Philly Saturday, which will give me probably 48 hours to rest and recuperate and be ready to go for the episode. And then the final game Monday night against the St. Louis Blues. Until then, though, once again, thank you guys for listening and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. Have a great time, everybody. We'll be back at it. Tuesday morning, bright and early. Until then, peace.